0: Kete Fakaronga mai Kauakitotato Ao Huri Huri, e panaki a Papa Tuanuku, Tangaroa, Mirangi Nui. This is Summer Science with Our Changing World on RNZ National, and now we're off to the museum, in a new podcast from the Centre for Science Communication at the University of Otago.
1: I'm Emma Hanish and I love museums. I grew up just outside Washington, D.C. and spent many weekends visiting some of the 19 Smithsonian museums. I loved being face-to-face with amazing things. After I finished undergrad, I began working at the Smithsonian Natural History Museum so I could help others discover and explore. But not everyone likes museums. One teen put it this way.
0: Most museums suck. Like, they really do. Museums always have that cold feeling. Really adultish and professional, it makes you feel uncomfortable. A museums are always filled with old people. Like, I don't have anything against old people, but I've noticed that there's always old people around. It's usually boring.
1: And it's not just bored teenagers. A writer for CNN recently described museums as
0: graveyards for stuff, tombs for inanimate things. Their cavernous rooms and deep corridors reverberate with the soft, dead sounds of tourists shuffling and employees yawning. They're like libraries, but without the party atmosphere.
1: To be honest, I can see their point. Some museums are boring. A rock in a glass case labelled granite, igneous rock, Nye County, Nevada, isn't exactly inspiring. Online, you can find tutorials for how to stay awake in museums. There's even a successful company in New York called Museum Hacks that runs museum tours specifically for people who don't like museums. And why bother making a special trip to learn
0: about stuff you could look up online? I've always hated museums, yet twice or three times a year I somehow find myself within one, shuffling from glass case to glass case, reading the little inscriptions peering closely at the details, doing what any good traveller does. Two hours later I walk out bored, hungry and far less glad to be on vacation than when I went in. The main thing you learn in museums, it seems, is how not to run a museum. Where's the relevance? Why, in places designed to celebrate life and all its variety, is there such a lack of vitality? Museums need to stop relying on the supposed intrinsic value of their collections. Stop presenting when you should be flaunting. Give me a story.
1: Show. Don't tell. For more information on using stories in museums, I talked to Jesse Baring, Associate Professor of Science Communication at the University of Otago.
2: If you want to engage an audience, if you really want to sort of pull them into uh, an effective argument or message when it comes to science communication you need to somehow embed that message in uh in the form of a story because that's just simply the way that human brains um, have designed to work we remember information better when it's told in the context of a story um, we relate it to our personal experiences uh, it's more easily comprehended um, when it's in story fashion Um, It just simply works. So, you know, I think museums would be foolish not to take advantage of the evolutionary mechanisms of the human brain when it comes to um, the the seductiveness of storytelling.
1: True, but can old-fashioned storytelling compete with the instant gratification of the Internet? In our digital age, how can museums, which are essentially just warehouses for stuff, survive? The real question here is, are museums still relevant in the 21st century? Ford W. Bell, president of the American Alliance of Museums, says yes.
0: At their core, museums are educational institutions, as essential to our communities as schools, libraries, and utilities. In an increasingly virtual world, museums are among the last bastions of authenticity. All of us, particularly the young, are awash in all things virtual. But studies show that all of us, again, especially the young, crave the authentic. That is priceless. Our studies over the last four years show museum attendance has been increasing. This is common when things get tough. When times are difficult, people return to their museums. For instance, we saw a big spike in attendance after 9-11. People want to reconnect
2: with what they value.
3: Hi, my name's Katrina Marino, and I've spent a few years working in museums. I think that museums are a really important tool for all communities to have because they can show so much with just a single artifact walking into a museum and seeing something like a dinosaur skeleton fully articulated and put together in front of you is just so much more impactful than simply looking at it on a computer screen or an iPad or some other printed text you know being able to see that image and how big it was and the raw power that could have been behind that specimen is just really incredible you know, I think she's right.
1: At the Smithsonian Natural History Museum, I volunteered for an interactive exhibit called Curious. That's Q? R-I-U-S. We had this area called the Collection Zone, where visitors could rummage through about 6,000 objects from all over the museum. They could touch and hold and personally investigate museum specimens, with our help, of course. I saw people making personal connections with bones and fossils, shells and arrowheads locals would come back to curious week after week because that tangible link to the past was so meaningful for them. Making those personal connections is really important for people who work at museums, too. I recently visited the Otago Museum in Dunedin, where science communicator Amadeo Enriquez Balastero was making those connections during a fire demonstration in Discovery World.
2: Do not try this at home. I don't even play with hydrogen at home. Mostly because I really like my home. This is a very explosive balloon Full of hydrogen. This is really going to burn. And it's going to go. Do you like explosions? Who wants to help me burn this balloon? If you have cameras, get your cameras ready. Get ready to see water being made in a very strange reaction. Oxygen plus hydrogen. All right touch the balloon even bigger than I thought For me, the first thing always is to see what they feel and what they know uh, about whatever topic we are doing, and once I know where they are at, I move on to the next step, which is um, I guess making, making it relevant to what I see they like. so whatever topic. Um, we cover it needs to be relevant to whoever I'm speaking, and obviously that's going to be different if it's a two-year-old or a 60-year-old. So you kind of gauge the audience and and see and, and try to speak to everyone. Uh, so if it's a one-to-one, it's a lot easier. If it's a big audience, you've got to keep jumping um, between levels of engagement, I guess, and 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 trying to appeal to everyone. So, yeah, being relevant is important. And then, of course, um, fun. <laughs> Sometimes, the Jupiter, red spot, hydrogen goes, Wee! Can you do that? But other times it goes, uh, Wee! Yay! This is a dance, everyone knows it. <laughs> no one knows that it's the hydrogen dance from Jupiter or Saturn, Uranus, Neptune. Those are planets of hydrogen. I really liked science, but not in school. I liked science in a museum. I'd like, I'd like to learn in in that environment. So I've always kind of been keen to go to museums just for that reason, I think. The goal for me was maybe trying to find the rocks that I could find when I go to the mountains uh, in Madrid, and so I'd go with a mission. So I'd give missions to the visitors to relate what they are seeing to their everyday life and to make it relevant to what they are doing in their lives. So find the connection there, and then it becomes fun.
1: Amadeo raises an excellent point. At a museum, you can learn what you choose to learn, and that can be as much or as little as you want. But you have to be motivated to learn.
3: When you go to a museum, it's it's not like you're in a movie or watching a documentary where the information is just going to be fed to you. You really need to invest yourself and read the plaques and dive into it more. So much museums is just enticing curiosity and passion. So where does that curiosity come from? What drives us to visit museums?
1: Why do we choose to spend time learning? BBC writer T. Stafford tells us,
0: The roots of our peculiar curiosity can be linked to a trait of the human species called neoteny. It is a term from evolutionary theory that means the retention of juvenile characteristics. It means that as a species, we are more childlike than any other mammals. The lifelong capacity to learn is the reason why neoteny has worked so well for our species. Our extended childhood means we can absorb so much more information from our environment. Even in adulthood, we can pick up new ways of doing things and new ways of thinking, allowing us to adapt to new circumstances. In a complex world, it is impossible to know what might be useful in the future. And thank goodness. Otherwise, we would have evolved to be a deadly boring species, which never wanted to get lost, never tried new things just to see what would happen, or did things for the hell of it. So why do we go to museums?
1: Because we're curious. We're gathering information that we may or may not use. And despite some problems with museums' ability to engage visitors, there's still evidence that they're an effective teaching tool for science. Research from John H. Falk suggests that visiting science museums significantly increases knowledge and interest in science, so long as the visitor is sufficiently motivated to learn. So, does that mean it's your fault if you're bored at a museum? Not necessarily. There's plenty that museums could be doing to make the experience more engaging. Storytelling, personal connections, first-hand interaction with pieces of science and history. But visitors need to put in some effort too. So go to your local museum and enjoy. Or if you don't enjoy, think about how the experience could be made more exciting for you.
0: That podcast was produced by Science Communication student Emma Hannish, and she was talking with fellow student Katharina Marino, Jesse Bering from the Center for Science Communication at the University of Otago, and Amadeo Enriquez Balastero from Otago Museum. Thanks for listening to this Our Changing World podcast. You can stay in touch with us on Twitter at RNZ Science. Matewa.